Welcome to another episode of Wings, Beers, and Tears. Another week under our belts, boys, here in the DMV in the springtime. Mr. Jeremy, how are ye this evening? I'd be good. Excellent. Mr. Jerry? I am adequate. <laughs> and I have Todd, and as Barely. always, I'm upbeat for no reason at all. Um, so, springtime brings with it um, hockey disappointment, as usual that we uh, went on last week, on and on and on about. However, we are now in the final stretch of the Stanley Cup playoffs, which have proven to be absolutely thrilling yet again. Um, And unfortunately, our boys are not in part of the mix, obviously. But what do we need to do to get back to this point next year in the mix? That's the big question. And as we look at the teams that are left, it's, it's hard to pick a common thread as to what the formula is because the Stanley Cup playoffs are so goddamn uh, off the wall that there is no formula. But bottom line is, you got to be fast. You got to have some youth. You got to have some some veteran leadership. And 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 the Caps seemed like they had all the pieces. And Jerry, you just said it. We were this close to moving on. Um, and man, I'm kind of envious that Carolina got uh, uh, a bruised and battered. And quite honestly, smoke and mirrors Islanders team. Yeah, that was disappointing and surprising. I thought Trotz would uh, would have that guy, those guys coming out and ready to play, especially how they handled Pittsburgh. Uh, you don't really see Pittsburgh uh, get handled like that, which may be a sign of the times for the Penguins. I mean, those guys have gotten old. They played a lot of hockey, ton, and lot and, of lot of uh, miles on those tires. But you know, I loathe the Penguins. I think their fans are trash, but. Um, you do have to respect the fact that they went back-to-back because it was such a long season of hockey for the Caps. Um, and they were worn out by the end of the year. They were worn out in the middle of the year. Um, and Pittsburgh did it twice, you know, to, to go back-to-back. That's, yep. that's a tremendous amount of, of hockey. So um, that's the last thing I'll ever say good about them. But uh, I think the Caps – I'd like to see the Caps – uh, build for the next two years because I think their window is the next two years um, with Backstrom and Ovi and um, the one thing again about Pittsburgh they always sort of sacrifice the future um, to win now and that's what I'd like to see McClellan doing based on what he said in the media about how they need to make some changes right I think that's what he's going to do I think so too I think so too so it, it, we can debate the window of opportunity and all that kind of shit, but you know, Jeremy, you you really do like those depth scoring type guys, but they're becoming so expensive these days, aren't they? Extremely. I mean, you know, Conley's the guy that you know I, I think of as soon as you say that, and I mean, he could get uh, you know a five by six deal this off season, and there's no way in hell I'm paying that guy that, and I love him. I think he's the man, but. You know, those 20 goal guys, it's because, you know, scoring is down, not overall, I think it was actually probably up this season, but just having that guy that you can plug, I mean, a bottom six team would put him on their second line, or sorry, actually a bottom half team would put him on their second line in a heartbeat 
because he's almost he can probably be a thirty goal guy with that kind of ice time, and that's something the Caps can't afford. So you're gonna have to move on from him and find somebody to take his slot. Boom. You know, <clears throat> so depth scoring is the key to getting deep in the playoffs. And we had started this playoff run saying that Colorado had no chance because they had no depth scoring. What they've done that, that I think is great, I think this is going to be, what, like six out of the last eight games now, they're going to field only 11 forwards and 7D. So what they said was, you're right, we don't have depth scoring, but we're going to roll our forwards and we're going to get some offense and timely play from the D. And having that extra D-man in the playoffs, they've mixed it up a little bit, not to mention the fact that Grubauer has just fucking stolen the show a bunch of times. Grubauer's been the man, and with uh, McCarr and uh, what is it, Barry back there basically playing you know, forward, that, uh, right. that sort of makes for that, that seven to work the way it does. Jerry, what you got? Well, I don't even know anything about the Western Conference. Um, hey, they I, still play hockey out there. They still play hockey. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at eyelids by 10 every night. But I saw that uh, uh, St. Louis beat Dallas, uh, double overtime. Hell yeah. What a great fucking game. There have been a, a several. Unless you're a Dallas fan. Right. I mean, that's a game whoa, seven. Whoa, I mean, whoa. that's the second time in this playoffs. Obviously, the Cavs were one of them. But a double overtime seventh game, you can't get more excited than that. I mean, every... Every, yeah, we just experienced one. It yeah. was it was less than exciting actually. <laughs> every every shot, every shot is like amazing. It's, it, it's it, incredible, isn't it? It, it? it there's no drama like it. No, there really isn't. And I made the point earlier that um, Dallas was absolutely getting throttled in overtime. But <laughs> the longer that game goes, the more and more, if you're St. Louis, you're going, "Holy shit, what do we have to do?" Right. Um, and I I will say this: I was a hundred percent wrong. Ben Bishop was the man during the playoffs. I said in our first pod that he can't hold up and he's not a playoff guy and everything else. I believe he made fifty nine saves last night to keep them in the game. I mean, that's stupid. You're so still right, he didn't win. <laughs> yeah, but hats off to that guy. Yeah, Cheers, well, Bishop. Well. You, you played your ass off. Well, back to the Caps. Jeremy, what do you think the Caps will do? Let's say, I mean, obviously the word on the street in Washington is Verona is going to be the direction of how it's going to go. If you sign Verona to a long-term deal, uh, then apparently your, um, your $10 million cap is going to be washed out fairly quickly and you're not going to have a lot of room to make another move, which basically says your roster now, um, minus Conley, uh, my well, Burakovsky's a, a restricted free agent. Don't they re- usually re-sign those guys? Um, they they usually do, but again, you got to be strategic with whether you're re-signing them on a bridge deal, whether you're going long term and buying a few of those unrestricted free agent years in there. They're going to have to play a shell game with the cap a little bit. No, they they absolutely are, and and that's the thing. You know, it's it. I think it really hinges more on how they handle Verona as opposed to him like being here or not, because if he go bridge deal, it's almost status quo for the next two years. I don't, I don't actually see that much, you know, turnover in the roster unless they want to make changes. Whereas if you give him that five or six year deal, we're going to have to give him a little more money. Then that could have an impact on, on other positions. Cause you know, Burr this time, Burr is coming off his bridge deal. I, I believe. I, mean, I, I believe you're right. Two by three or whatever it was. Um, and so that's that's really where the you know Verona you know his impact will be because I'm sitting here looking at our uh, cap friendly list and they can sign everybody pretty much except Conley and there's really no impact. The question is, do they want to leave room to make a trade or to make any other additions? I think we're just talking about forwards though, right? Because D they're locked in in D, um, especially with Kempney coming back. You have Jensen now, um, right? And so, so yeah, they're actually more deep on D than than people are giving them credit for. Yeah, I, I think I think they're 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 set with D. It's really the forwards, and 
you know, from what you're saying, it's it's you know, you got to figure out what to do with Verona, um, uh, Haglin. Do you bring him back? Smith Pelly, I think, is gone. Um, he's just out of favor with Reardon. I mean, well, he had he had. He's that. probably still out of fucking shape too. And if I'm him, I don't really want to be back anyway. Why he, would you he want different, to? You know, right. Yeah, I mean, different I, scene. Yeah. I love the guy. I'm just saying. Oh, that that guy rocks, man. And uh, if I'm ja- I mean, the the three restricted free agents are Barakovsky, Jaskin, and Stevenson. Um, if I'm Jaskin, I'm, I'm I'm I've left the Washington, and I'm never looking back. You know, cause I think they, he's done that a couple places already. Yeah, I, they, I just think he is what he is, and 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 he's probably not that integral in, in no. terms of moving forward, right? And this is where I think organizational depth and what you do in the draft does matter. So in baseball. Unless you have like the first pick and and Strasburg is sitting out there, I, the baseball draft is really you're just throwing darts and hoping somebody pans out down the road. I think it kind of used to be that way in hockey, but it is such a worldwide young game now that there's a ton of studs late first round, early second round. You can even get a, a potential starter from a kid that's coming out of college. Cole McCarr is, is is a prime example of that out west. So I really think when you're a veteran laden team as far as contracts go like the caps you've got to be very strategic with who you're bringing up organizationally how you're drafting and then how you're playing again that shell game with the cap um and i think mcclellan is really really smart and he's good well based on the comments that mcclellan said i it sounds like they have a plan with depth forwards um they have a you know he he was spoke with pretty much confidence you know, a lot of GMs will come out and say, well, we're going to evaluate or something, say something vague where right. he said, no, we're going to make some changes and uh, we have a pretty good idea of what we're doing, you know, paraphrasing to that. So it's dealing with Verona, figuring out what to do with Burakovsky if you're going to keep him to a bridge deal or keep him at all, whatever. Chandler Stevenson's a restricted free agent. But I don't, I haven't scouted enough. Uh, by scouting, I mean looking on the internet to see what other people <laughs> Right. Think. See what I some have, asshole I says have, online. So, so I guess researched enough to determine who would be out there that the Caps would be targeting. No no other names from other teams who are going to be free agents have sort of popped up to say, this is the guy that fits in need, and this is the guy we need. And, right. You know, and, and so it, well, it, it's strange, too. You mentioned that, and, and, and you bring up a really good point, because years ago it felt like that, right? We were on the, the, that horizon, and we went, oh, shit, Knubel. Fedorov, all these kind of like aging veterans that were the they were the piece. Justin Williams, for God's sake, you know, God bless him, keep rolling, old man. Um, but I, I feel like now we're the team with some of the aging veterans, and so how do you plug the holes? And and I, I really do think you need to find lightning in a bottle a little bit. You got to get lucky with a young guy that can score. But we're really sound in the back. Holtby is still a top five goalie in this league, right. um, and our goalie depth is very strong as well. So. We might be one of those boring teams that that, that plays two one right. three two a little bit. But we have we have top six, right? That Tremendous. Top six still. Is, is is really still really good. So you're talking about bottoms, you know, bottom depth forwards. I like Haglin. He's never going to score, but he's pretty good on the penalty kill. He brings value, and he brings a motor that we need. Um, I, I maintain, and and as I watch these playoffs, pace is so important. And again, I don't know how Dallas and St. Louis did it but they went from aging, slow, boring teams in January to, to lightning fast teams in the playoffs. Maybe it's just playoff hockey brings out the best in you. I, I, I don't know whether it's that or not, but they've, they've found the right mix of, of, of pace. Um, and that's why, like you said earlier, I'm pissed the Caps didn't move on because they looked slow at the end of that Carolina series. But Carolina's really fast, and I feel like we had another gear left in us, and it's just kind of bittersweet. 
Yeah, it is. And, you know, Todd and I had talked a little bit off air, and I, I didn't really say I disagreed because I didn't have an opinion either way, but he, he thought – Shocker. Yeah. <laughs> he thought that, uh, you know, Carolina or whoever won that series was going to come out and just take the Islanders apart. And I was like, well, I could see a, a win five or six games, but you basically called the sweep. I mean, you were, you were thinking of it from more of a Caps perspective, but still, you called it. Yeah, I just I, – I, I like what Barry did with the Islanders. He, he, he is – He's up for the Jack Adams, right? Should be. And, and, and he should be because what he did during the regular season was a goddamn miracle. But that does not translate into the playoffs, and you can't be as as futile as they were offensively. And I know I'm going to regret saying this because it's going to be recorded somewhere, but I think Pittsburgh is finished. I, 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 I mean, it, if we talk about the Caps window, I mean, is their window even smaller well, with they, fewer parts? They, first of all, I hate their GM. I think he sucks. Jack Johnson, I, I think he got desperate sort of in the last couple of years because he felt the desperation because their players are high salary. They're, they're good players, have taken up a lot. They, they signed Jack Johnson and even the guys in Pittsburgh when you're really like, what are they doing mm-hmm. signing this guy to this contract? Right. And it's, it's left them with almost no room to move, even though they need an infuse of talent. I just, they're, they're strapped. It's almost like, uh, you know, a, a team that has had success and they overpaid during the prime. Right. And now they're feeling the, the effects of their aging, aging superstars taking up all their cap and their lesser players getting those big deals when they were winning. Yep. And now there's no room to move. And, and I think that that is a, <clears throat> a league with a good cap structure allows for, I hate the term parity, but it really does over time. And we're seeing it now in the NHL. Pittsburgh, soon to be Washington, Chicago, Detroit. You're talking about teams that have been really, really good for a long time because they signed young talent to these real long deals. And even though the cap has gone up, eventually, how many number one centers and top top wingers can you have on one team? And that's why the, the balancing of the roster becomes of the utmost importance um, because the cap's not going to go up exponentially. It's going to go up fractions and right. and – you know, your ability to sign, you know, the eight by eight contracts, you, you don't get that many of them anymore. Yeah, and, and here's the deal, and, and a couple of good points by Jerry that I want to follow up on. Um, Haglin is another guy that's a little bit of a key to this offseason because, uh, you know, he was getting $4 million per on his deal coming. I mean, I was only paying him one one eight seven five with all the stuff the teams were holding back, you know, whatever you call it, carry over, hold back, right. whatever that term is. Um, but I I can't pay him that $4 million. It's kind of like with Conley. It's like I think he – He's going to get too much money from somewhere else, so it's probably a little bit more up to him what he wants to do. But is he? I mean, is he really? He had he brought a lot of energy here, but he was a disaster in L.A., and he wasn't good before that. I so. think L.A. was a disaster LA in general. Was, yeah. You know, um, th- talk about an old, slow team. I mean, they were just dreadful. Were. I mean, do you think he would get $4 million on the open market? I I pretty good chance I think or at least close enough to it okay. that I, I probably think it could be and and, and that's just it and that's that coming kind of full circle that's what I meant that that middle six and bottom six depth scoring is so key to your deep runs but you cannot take up more than a, a small fraction of the cap space in order to do that so well maybe somebody from Hershey will come up and uh, and make the roster this year um, and surprise and you know because last year. You know, during the playoffs, those guys were helping out in the playoffs, and you're like, wow, this guy, you know, Nate Walker is going to be amazing. He's like 5'2", right? Where'd that guy come from? He scored against Pittsburgh. And then came from down under. Yeah, and then then now he didn't even sniff it. Yeah, yeah. So, well, it'll be interesting to see. What I like is we still have some good pieces to the puzzle. We do have some some – 
pliability there, you know, in the, in, in, in our cap and, and how we're able to use our assets and, and some of our young talent and, and, and put the pieces together. So um, in part two, we're actually going to uh, touch on a very similar topic with the Redskins in terms of very, uh, very similar structure with the salary cap and everything else. And, and it's going to be very interesting to see um, how that squad comes together. So join us in part two for our burgundy and gold segment. See you in a bit.